Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, Matt, what's going on? Not too much. This is our second episode of the new year, but our first one recording together. It's nice. Yeah, it's good to be to be back here in the new year, the year of 2024. Who knows where we'll go this year, but it's already looking interesting. Yeah, we have uh, probably uh, by the time this is released to you guys to listen to, there'll have been an Xbox showcase. Who knows if Nintendo is going to have a January or February direct. Sony might have something prepared. It's going to be, I think, a very interesting year in gaming. Yeah, and I think they're going to hit the ground running right off the start. I'm not sure what Xbox is going to show us except for like Indiana Jones, but ultimately we'll see. We'll see where we're going. We'll see what we get this year, but I'm excited to talk about a game that's over 10 years old at this point. Over 10 years old and looking at it under that lens and the game we're talking about this week, guys, is Portal 2, the sequel to the game that really took people by surprise. Portal was not one of those games that was supposed to be anything impressive Mm -hmm. or exciting or talked Mm -hmm. about, and it was part of that whole orange box situation by Valve. It was not meant to be sold originally as this kind of core game. And here we are getting a sequel to a game that is a standalone portal game. And it took people sort of, there were mixed thoughts on a sequel to portal because some people thought, leave it alone. The first one is a complete package. It's a masterpiece. Don't touch it. It's this three hour experience. It doesn't need more. And yeah, April, 2011 came Mike, what are your thoughts? So I didn't. I never played these games when they came out. I wasn't really caught up in the whole portal craze. So I'm viewing these games from a different standpoint. Pretty much everyone at the time that Portal and Portal Two were released, everyone was talking about Portal. Like it was like the thing, right? It was. It was the big new game that came out of nowhere. It was kind of in this period where Valve refused to engage and make a Half-Life 3. And there's still no Half-Life 3. It's it's actually far worse than Street Fighter 2 to Street Fighter 3. That there's no Half-Life 3. Do we even have any words on Half-Life 3 being in development? Is it going there, were, to happen? there were interviews and comments, but nothing targeting any actual development. It was just like things saying it said in, in rooms, basically. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's it they're working on it. But I feel like I feel like Portal came out of nowhere. It's like you said, it's a very quick, fast little puzzle game. It's it's very Valve. It's very reminiscent of Valve. The way they designed their sense of humor, the way their games are written, the ability to kind of pull in some decent talent as voice actors, especially in 2007 and 2011 when these games release. Or is Portal 1's 2007, so they're four years apart. Yep. So even then, you're looking at a game that like at this point, it's been four years since the original Portal. So yeah, who knows? And at this point, Half-Life 2 is seven years old. So it's one of those things where it's just like, hey, instead of Half-Life 2, we're going to give you Portal 2 because so many people liked Portal. And this is a little bit of a longer experience than the first Portal, I think. And it offers some different stuff, but ultimately it really kind of feels very similar I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't know if that's a that's a good thing. I just think that Valve just probably wanted to have more fun with this kind of thing. 
And it's interesting because both the Portal games do take place in the same universe as Half-Life. They take place between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. And they're using this first person kind of perspective to deliver you this puzzle game, which obviously has become incredibly influential over time, even with stuff like The Witness and things like that. But there's no real shooting, right? This isn't a, an, an action game in, in the sense that like you're shooting things. You really can barely even do that much when it comes to moving. Essentially, the whole game is just making the portals. And the rooms have their things, whether it be lasers or, I guess, paint, right? I guess paint is something they introduced in Portal 2. Correct. That was where, one of the new kind of game mechanics. Yeah, and, blue paint and orange paint yep. and white paint. Correct. Which I think is interesting, and I thought that was an interesting thing to do. It's like, oh, yeah, originally you wouldn't be able to use this floor to make portals, but if you cover it in white paint, you can make a portal here and use your portal gun. I didn't realize that it was the same character, too. I didn't realize you were still playing as Chell, which I think is is interesting. I think it's fun. I think Chell being in stasis for, I, I don't know how many years at the beginning of the game, and eventually, ultimately, right from the get-go, being introduced to Wheatley, who is voiced by Stephen Merchant, who's been in a lot of things, a oh, lot yeah. of stuff over the years. Stephen Merchant is a pretty well-respected and kind of decorated English comedian. I think most Americans might know Stephen Merchant from Logan, where Stephen Merchant plays Caliban. Yeah. But yeah, his voice is very recognizable right from the beginning. And I think it's a lot of fun. And while these games and Valve in general, sorry, folks, isn't really my cup of tea. It's not something that I seek. I'm not someone who gets excited when Valve puts something new out. I, I It's not that I don't care. They're just not my style. Their games aren't really what I look for in games. I, I did find myself having a lot of fun with this and the whole kind of checklist of it all, kind of the mini dopamine rush you get every time you solve a puzzle, you figure something out, it forces you to think about the physics of the game and the world around you a little bit more than many other games of its ilk will. Yeah, I think Valve had something here with Portal 1, and maybe they had something more in the tank. Maybe they had some more ideas they want to expand upon. But you're right, it is more of the same. And for better or for worse, I love the first game. I think it's a masterpiece. It's short and sweet. It's probably a three-hour game. This game, you said, it is longer. It's probably a six-hour game. And then you you can play the cooperative game, which is a whole standalone story. Yeah. It is probably around the same length. It's cute. It's clever. It's just as witty. And you can do things, obviously, differently when you have two people playing with a portal gun. But the game, I think it ups the ante in, in every way you want. I think it's if the first game is a masterpiece and the first game was a prototype, yeah, The second game does a great job in expanding it into a full standalone game. It doesn't feel like the first game. I don't want to say that in a mean way. The first game is a prototype, but it very much was. Let's try this out. We have this idea, this portal gun. It's a great game mechanic and nothing mm -hmm. like it had been seen before. And this game kind of lets it lets it kind of flourish. It kind of lets it, it spread its wings and do a little bit more. Yeah, I do like I think the most interesting part of both portal games is when you kind of leave the testing environments and go into these other places. I, I enjoyed going to like the old portal facility yep. or whatever they call it, the old aperture laboratories facility where you get to hear all that stuff by JK Simmons. I thought that was actually really fun. And also once again, valve getting really top notch voice talent 
I, I thought it was a really nice twist that you work alongside Gladys yep. instead of against her. And once again, a game that like for 99% of it isn't aggressive or isn't confrontational, but you still have to fight a boss at the end when you have to fight Wheatley and like the big Gladys like robot body. You're right. But there, what's also nice about the game, it is very methodical. Um, yeah. You're not rushed. There's no timer for most sequences. You can sort of take your time. And you're right. I like when the second half of the game, you're going to this kind of dilapidated reconstruction behind the scenes areas and you're kind of navigating spaces you're not supposed to be in. Yeah. And it's a little tricky, actually, if you're not a real gamer, and I hate to say the real gamer, but I feel like the difficulty does increase a little bit in the second half when you're traveling in these areas because you don't really know where to go. There's no arrow like some video games have or a trail telling you where's the next area to go. You're looking for areas to shoot a portal at, to escape to, to climb to. It's a platformer, very much so in a first person view. And you're just kind of looking around saying, where's the next place I can go to navigate? Because it's a linear game, but it's not presented as a linear game, if that makes sense. No, I totally get it. It's one of those things where this would be an arena shooter, right? right? Had it been a game that was based on shooting, right? Because it's almost like you go from room to room and solve the puzzle instead of going from room to room and killing everything in it. So it's almost kind of got like a doomish You're right. sort of appeal to it because it really is next stage to next stage to next stage to next stage without but you don't know where you're supposed to go and i guess in doom you also there's not like clear arrows telling you where to go but it's so interesting that you can explore the abandoned areas of aperture but what something i'm going to push back and it's so funny looking at different lenses you and me because i played this game at launch i was psyched i loved it back then Yeah, yeah, yeah now looking at now 13 years later i'm pushing back against this game a little bit because the game is very sterile as far as the world you're exploring. It's non-interactive as far as the environments. While I look at games that are this probably is looking, this came before and after this, Half-Life and Bioshock, that feel like alive. These live NPCs, these live worlds, these scripted areas. Well, this game, it's kind of like you're working in the environment, but nothing around it is like really much interacting with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's really kind of like there's your, there's really not much you can do. As far as some robots that interact with yeah. you, I guess, but the environment yeah. itself. Yeah, the environments themselves are very sparse. Yeah. And I think they use that in kind of the the kind of storytelling of it all because everything's kind of falling apart and right. everything got destroyed. So it but at the, at the same time, it, it almost feels like for a game that you would never consider this type of game because of, of, its, of, its, of how it's displayed, it often really feels like it's arcadey. It's yeah. just get to the next stage and solve the puzzle. Get to the next stage and solve the puzzle. And it, that's that's good and all, but I can see where 13 years later, 12, 12 or 13 years later, we're like, this isn't as revolutionary. Right. It's not as enough it for me now. And maybe because we have now games like walking simulators that didn't mm-hmm. exist back then. Mm-hmm. And those give tell interesting stories while you're navigating the world. And this game, like you said, yes, there's a portal gun. Yes, it's a puzzle platformer. But how many first-person puzzle platformers are there that don't involve any, like you said, guns and shooting and killing? Probably a lot, yeah. It's a weird thing, but now we've seen more of them in this like walking simulator type world and story-based games. But back then, it was a more, it was was definitely rarer to see a game like this. Yeah, and 
I feel like this game was made because the first one was such a cultural, yep. had such cultural impact. I don't think if if stores like Hot Topic aren't selling shirts that say the cake is a lie, right? I don't think you're going to get Portal 2. I think Valve probably had a bunch of ideas just kind of sitting around and, and stages sitting around that they wanted to work with. I This is not a game I can... It's funny because it's a short game. Well, I guess it's a little bit longer, but it's kind of a shorter game. Yeah, five, six than, hours. Yeah, five, six, five, six hours. It's It's still a shorter game comparatively to most games out there. But this is not a game that I ever had to desire. The first one either, when I played it for, for the show, I didn't ever have the desire to kind of just sit down and blow through it. Like after a while, I'd get annoyed by it and have to leave. Yeah, it's funny. I never had that struggle. When the games came out, I guess, again, you're talking 13 years ago, maybe I was in a different place and mindset, but I enjoyed exploring and trying to find my way out and finding out what the story was about. Mm-hmm. And the clever, I find, like you said, the voice acting, the clever dialogue and humor is strong again in this game. It's back. It's it's probably better than ever. But some things I felt were forced. And that's like the song at the end of the game, the credits, they bring back another song. Yeah. Again, they had lightning in the bottle in the first game with that end credits song, the cake, yeah. light, all that. Mm-hmm. And some of it feels like they had to bring it back because it was such a popular thing the first time. Yeah, it's, it's really mimetic. I feel yeah. like this game is responsible is a response to the kind of mimetic nature of the first game. And this was kind of during that whole, like kind of the elevation and proliferation of Western games. We grew up in the eighties and nineties where home gaming for the most part was fully dominated by Japanese games. And there were a lot of Western games too, and European games and American games, but like, Nothing was competing with the Sonics and the Marios and the Final Fantasies and the Castlevanias and, and and that. Like that was Mega Man, all that stuff. That was what gaming was in a home space. Then we eventually get to the 360 and the Xbox, right? And the Xbox really kind of starts that kind of Western push in gaming. Yeah. The games feel different. Now, Western games are always more PC based, whether yeah. you're talking about Doom or all those first-person shooters that came out, all the CRPGs that came out at that point in time, and things like that. But we're we're now in an era in 2011 where we're looking at the Xbox 360, we're looking at PC gaming really starting to take off, and we're seeing a huge push for the popularity of Western video games. And this is Portal in general. Obviously, you got both Half-Life games. But Portal is in the conversation with games like that, games like Bioshock and Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite that also kind of have a mimetic nature to them where Bioshock has the would you kindly, uh, Portal has the cake is a lie and things like that. And that kind of became part of the, the culture. And this is, I wouldn't consider this early internet, but this is really like early mimetic internet. Right. This yeah. is when memes really started to take off and we started seeing like stuff like the Philosoraptor and the Bad Advice Dog and websites like you're the man now dog.com or whatever it was, where this was kind of like the beginning of that. This is YouTube is finally kind of hitting its stride at this point, especially in 20, 2007 and then even more so in 2011. 
So we're we're really starting to to embrace that. And I think what Valve was probably doing is they're probably trying to capitalize on the mimetic popularity of the first yeah. portal. And also Valve's a company that could do whatever the heck they want because they make so much money on Steam. Yeah, Valve just had this around. That's what you got to remember. In 2011, as you stated earlier, Valve is still not this juggernaut gaming company at this point. There were projects far and few between. The Orange Box was several years earlier. But yeah, they were almost, like you said, a PC-specific company. Yeah. Very rarely did they go to the consoles. There was a big deal when the Orange Box came to xbox and, and yeah. sony and this game too it started on steam and then got to 360 and ps3 but that was like because they felt like they had to just to make a few extra bucks on it yeah. but i know at the time valve was kind of pissed off because when a game needs to be updated or patched or dlc or things like that it's got to go through all these security and and checks and all these things from from microsoft and sony and it's easier in the pc space it's more of yeah. an open platform and it's less rules and guidelines and kicking and screaming, he he went along with it. But I think Valve in general, they did not like having to port their games to the console. And to this day, they say that the 4 million copies they sold of this game, roughly, they say the majority were PC. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine uh, Valve games in general just don't feel like they belong on console. No. It always felt weird. It always feels uh, out of place. And even like their most popular stuff, like Counter-Strike, like this doesn't feel like it belongs here. It definitely feels like it's more of a more of a PC thing. Yeah. In the yeah. in the grand scheme of things. So looking at what does return, obviously players solve puzzles, place portals, teleport between them. That's that's all back. You get the you get to navigate the Aperture Science Entertainment Center. You got GLaDOS back, Ellen McLean doing the voice acting, new characters, as you said, Stephen Merchant, who's Wheatley. You have J.K. Simmons, another great personality, doing the Aperture founder, Cave mm -hmm. Johnson, great characters. You get the birth of the cooperative mode, which you get to play as these two robots. It, it's cute. It's clever. It's fun. It is, if you've not experienced the cooperative mode, it's a different way to play the game. It's a whole different way to experience the portal gameplay. It's a completely different story that actually takes place chronologically after the events of the single player campaign. So that's neat, but you don't have to have played the first one either. If you can just jump in and play cooperatively, it's a fun, fun experience. Yeah, I didn't get to do that, but I did read up on it a bit. And I, I gather you're playing as the two different robots that Wheatley kind of presents to you in in the game. I do like I do like carrying around a potato. <laughs> that is a great sequence. It's that's also a it. meme though. That's oh, also yeah. that's also totally a meme. The whole it's potato the whole thing. sequence with the potato is is great. The potato companion that you have to kind of carry yeah. around with you. Yeah, it, it's 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 clever. It's funny. It's a meme, like you said, and it, it's it's memorable. Yes, it it really is, and it's one of those things where I feel like while people love this game, I think you're right. I think a lot of it does ultimately a lot of it does feel a little forced. I think the performances are great, and I think the characters are fun and 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 goofy. But ultimately, it does feel like, how do we make a new portal? It's like portal more. You know what I mean, and I do find the the boss fight with Wheatley to be really interesting, with like using the paint to yep. kind of use the bombs to hit him and 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 throw in all those. All it's those almost like, like an upgraded battle from the first game. Yes. Kind of. Yes. It's like we made the Glados better some twist to it, but it's more or less the same thing. You're flinging things up in the air, shooting portals up to try and bring yourself up higher. And 
it more or less is playing homage to the first one, but putting some twist on it. Yeah, which is good. And I think that's okay. But in, in a sequel, you have sequels that really break mm-hmm. from what the prior game did. And then you have sequels like Portal 2 that are kind of just more of the same. And is that a problem? I don't know. In 2023 and 2024, it does feel like it's a little bit of a of a lack of... And I hate to say this because I do think the concept is is such, but it is a lack of creativity from a company who's, I think, very creative in I how they remember, do things. Do you remember, was this a full-priced game when it launched? Or was it a 30 or 20 or $40 game? I, I, I should probably do my research on that to know what the cost of the game was because I'm looking at this game as... Portal 2, 2.0. Mm-hmm. I play the mm-hmm. game. I loved it. I'm looking back and I don't always do this. I normally play it again and I, I see all the, the things I loved about the game and I can still find that I loved it. This game, I'm looking at differently. The graphics and the art style, like you said, they're very Western and blah. The details and physics by today's standards are not very impressive. And it's every, there's no, like, the art is kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And I feel like games that had character back then, most of them, I can still find the charm and the love in it. And this, I look back on playing it, reviewing it, sitting here uh, 12, 13 years later, it feels like it was given too much praise almost. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's very indicative of the time it was released in. Yeah. Looking back, that time period is very boring. Very boring. That's like kind of like the heights of Call of Duty, which ugh, Call of Duty's listen, Call of Duty's not on the way out. I still think it sells very, very well. But I think creatively, I think people are finally starting to turn around on Call of Duty and go, Yeah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I think we've said it about like years and fallout. They yep. all have that same like mm-hmm. and maybe it's Unreal Engine, maybe that's what it is and some I, of the stuff, but this I isn't. think it was I think part of it is early Unreal early Unreal Engine. Yeah. Right? The Unreal Engine now is very versatile. Sure. As we see where Unreal Engine will make something like Yoshi and then make something like Mortal Kombat and also be used to film The Mandalorian. But I think at this point in time, we were looking at this is really just indicative of the time period it's in. This is when this is the time period where you would hear regularly like nobody cares about Nintendo, 2D gaming is Mm -hmm. dead, Japanese games are bad. Like this was very common at that point in time. Everything had to be sleek. Yeah. And gray and 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 brown and sandy and bald-headed marines shooting aliens. Now, what were you getting? First-person, first-party Sony and Nintendo at this time. Were you getting like the Mario Galaxies and the Twilight Princesses? So this is way past Twilight Princess. If you're talking about 2011, right? 2011, you're getting. Con- you're getting 2011. I, I want to say Skyward still. Skyward you- Skyward Sword. Is right. 2011 Skyrim's 2011? I want to say Uncharted 3 was 2011. That's kind of like the big stuff you're getting at this point in time. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto 5, I think, is 2011. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. The first, uh, me, the first version yeah. of it. Let me, let me, let me look at. So look at if you could. Yeah. 2010, 2011. What were some of the first party games? What was coming out on the consoles? In retrospect, comparing to Portal 2, what kind of games were we getting at that time? So this is this is what 2011 gives us. So 2011 is like the end of the Wii, right? I think I think I think 2012 or 2013 the Wii U comes out. Yep. But Portal 2 is on there. Obviously, uh, Skyrim is the big one. Is a big one. Arkham City is a big one. And I know you really like Arkham City, but 
as much as that game stylized, I really like Arkham City too. That's not that's not me throwing shade there. I think it's a great game. But it still looks very much unreal. It is very much. Oh yeah, Indicative. very much. Batman's the size of a house. He's very big. He's very blocky. He doesn't look very agile for Batman. Even though Batman's supposed to be a big guy, you can be big and 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 a little bit more flexible looking. Uncharted Three, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. So those kind of like weird Deus Ex games that are very hit or miss with people. Skyward Sword, L.A. Noir. Battlefield 3, Dead Space 2, Little Big Planet 2, a lot of a lot of kind of PC games too kind of coming yeah. to the forefront like Witcher 2, but a lot of sequels, mm-hmm. a lot of sequels to that generation of video games, a lot of gray. And I can and see why boring. Portal 2 won so many Game of the Year outlets. It yep. was praised so much looking mm-hmm. at the other games you named from that era. Nothing else really stands out as being colorful different it was this was sort of what was happening in the hd era at this time the only stuff that really stands out is that this is when we're starting to get some very important indie games so the wii really isn't doing well anymore at this point the 3ds is comes out this year it has a really bad launch and then by the end of the year is able to really turn it around yeah they, they had an it. awful launch and people don't remember that they did that whole yeah. What was it called if you're an early adapter and oh, they did that um, whole amb- ambassador ambassador program? ambassador program. They had to give people games and then they well, had to do s- Yeah, well, you got to think about it, right? The 3DS launched in 2011, I think I think in like the spring. Yeah. And it launched at like I think it was like $250. It might have been $279 even. Yeah. It was like an obnoxious price. It was a really crazy price and then by the end of the year I think it dropped down to 200 or like yeah. 150 or 180. It was maybe 180. Yeah, 180. I don't remember the exact price change, but it was a really disastrous launch. But by the end of that year, you did have Ocarina of Time and Mario 3D Land. And then it really started to turn around. DS was kind of the best thing Nintendo had going for it for until 2017, really, because even the Wii U kind of slipped and and fell and, and didn't really do well. But in 2011, you're starting to get the the move and the the kind of uh, popularity of indie games. That's the year Bastion comes out. That's the year The Binding of Isaac comes out. You do have Morpheus vs. Capcom 3 comes out in 2011, but most of Portal's contemporaries make a lot of sense. And I think looking back at this time period, it's a bad period for video games. Obviously, Skyrim's a huge deal, but I feel like Skyrim was the last great thing Bethesda did. Fallout 4 is not great. Fallout 4 is not great. Fallout... New Ve- Fallout New Vegas is amazing, but Fallout 76 six isn't good. Yeah. Field really kind of didn't really hit with people. It stumbled. Way- yeah, it really did. It, it didn't hit with people the way people thought it would. But in 2011, we're starting to get the beginning of the push to what we're seeing in gaming now, where it's just much more diverse in terms of experience with stuff like Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Binding of Isaac, Bastion, we also see Rayman Origins comes out in 2011, which is kind of a push towards where gaming is now. Not saying that all gaming is 2D, but they're definitely in the conversation. Games like Catherine come out in 2011, which is a kind of this weird mm-hmm. kind of puzzle, dating sim, visual novel kind of game. Terraria, which is like a 2D Minecraft. Minecraft comes out in 2011. So I think 2011 kind of represents a, sw- uh, a, a kind of a shift Definitely. and the end of what the 360 era, the 360 PS3 era, probably the only era where Microsoft actually had something super compelling where that era kind of is dying. 
and people realize that, hey, it's not just about graphics. Mm -hmm. It's not just about things being, or graphics aren't just, a, good graphics don't just mean modern graphics. Right. It don't just mean the most powerful thing. Good graphics can mean a lot. Good graphics can mean really great 2D stuff. Good graphics. This is kind of when you start to look at, at that. And I think Portal is kind of the beginning of the, Portal 2 is kind of like the end of that being popular, of that style being popular. Because by the time you get to the PS4, we're, we're starting, and the Xbox One, right? And with the Xbox Arcade, we're starting to see more of, oh yeah, there's other experiences here that are important. Right. And developers so, had different ways to express themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it became more approachable with, with the Unreal Engine's different stuff yeah. for anyone to make a game. It wasn't just yeah. game studios. You were getting a yeah. lot more stuff coming out. So yeah. you're right. You know, Looking at Portal 2 that way, you can understand why it was a tremendous hit. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved the game. I thought back finally. I haven't played it since launch. I loved it. I thought of it as grand and if not better than the first. And I love Portal mm -hmm. 1. But this game, as we said, Steam, PS3, and 360 now also released on the Switch this past year was this thing called Portal Companion Collection, where you got Portal 1 and 2. Which is nice. Which was nice. And it's actually a really solid port. So anyone today who wants a portable version of this game, which you couldn't play this game portably back at launch on the consoles, this is like I mean, a nice game to have on the go. Yeah, I guess you could do that on Switch and you could do that on Steam Deck too. Right. And any of these kind of portable PCs, which I've seen, I know you had a Steam Deck for a little bit. I've seen the Steam Deck in person. Calling that a portable device is, is a lie. <laughs> it's almost as big of a you lie. Need a backpack. And you know what's hilarious? It's like, I hate to say this and I hate to be this type of guy, but for those people who said the Steam Deck was going to be a Switch killer, like, guys, just stop trying to have that conversation. Everyone tries to go out of their way to tell you what's going to kill whatever Nintendo has on handheld, and nothing does. Nothing has ever succeeded. You might as well bring a small laptop into your head with you. <laughs> and I think the Steam Deck is really cool. That's not it's me creating on the Steam Deck. But first of all, if Switch 2 comes out this year and offers something that's got 120 hertz and 1080p, it's and just six to eight hour batteries and more it's, 400 bucks. it's more accessible it's sleeker it's simpler it does what it's supposed to do pc people really pc people have a steam deck people who don't want their games to work and want to have to go See, in and fix i it. think it's for people that don't want to play on a pc but they want yeah. to play pc games it's yeah. an easier yeah. way to do it I'm, i'd rather be on my pc and play a pc game i don't I, know I, I mean i have this this probably $2,000 PC sitting next to me. I'd rather play on that than the $500 right. handheld. And I can always just play stuff on my Switch. But I will say this much. Having yeah. that on the go, I think Portal's a great portable game. Yeah. Uh, portable game. Because it's a game that it is. you can play it in bite-sized chunks. Yeah. So like Portal 1 and like games around this time, uh, a few things mm -hmm. this game did just to kind of uh, do a final overview. It does that thing where you can take damage. If you get away, you can kind of like the screen clears away. It's almost mm -hmm. like Halo where you have like a fake shield that has to recharge in this game. It's, yeah. it, it uses that mechanic, which is a nice thing. If you're in a puzzle game, you can rethink your situation, how to approach a certain area. And I always like that in video games. No, I I think that's that's really cool, and I think it's a really it's a really fun time. This game is like I said, it's not my normal go to. This is not my cup of tea, but sometimes it's good to drink someone else's cup of tea. In terms yeah, of it's, it's it's important to do that. It's important to be. I always think it's important to be diverse in your interests when it comes to anything. 
music, entertainment, movies, TV. Well, if I didn't sit down and play Killzone 2 on the PlayStation 3, a game I never would have touched ever, I don't think I had a great experience with that game. And I'm not a first person shooter guy and I'm not like a big war shooter guy. And I sat down and played it because it was cheap. And I'm like, ah, I might as well give this a shot. And I really enjoyed it. And I think something with Portal, I think it's for me, I think it's something like get out of the comfort zone a little bit, play something that you might not gravitate towards, gravitate to. And you know what? It's never that expensive. No, it's laughably inexpensive. This game can be found for like a dollar or two. Yeah. Usually it's like a couple of bucks on a sale. It's much cheap. Well, the game reviewed extremely well, Mm -hmm. 95 out of 100 on Metacritic with many and many Game of the Year awards. So this game was reviewed extremely well. We praised the writing and the voice acting. That's what most of the critics loved about this game. And and the interesting gameplay is back, the puzzles, the problem solving, and they praised the larger scope of the aperture and factory and the world. It, It felt like the scope of the game. And like you said, they ended the paint like gels the different colors, the blue and the orange and the white, all that. Yeah. They added the the lasers, which are those those discouragement beams, the tractor beams. They have the different blocks, the cubes that come back and the different types of cubes now. So besides just the heart cube, which was laughable in the first game, you have different ones here, redirection cubes, which have like these lenses that redirect the lasers. Yeah. There was some different, really interesting, cool stuff. Yeah. So this game, like you said, it's it's a weekend. It's a day. If you really want to bite into it, it's a weekend. It's a quick experience. It got as bad as good a praise as a game can get upon its launch. And I think still people think of it fondly, but I don't think it's it's considered the same games of all time like it was upon launch. I think, at least in my own mind, I don't think the world of gaming looks at this game as highly as it did when it first came out. Well, we have to also, and I agree with you, actually, I agree with you. I was so surprised how similar it felt to the original Portal. And since we, we, we've we been doing this podcast for a few years, I remember we talked about Portal. Yeah, year, May, of 20, May of 2021, we discussed. All right, so, so like almost oh, three, oh, two and a half years, yeah. <laughs> uh, so having played Portal for the first time for that, I was expecting this to be kind of different. And I think that's because we're a little spoiled right? in today's day and age where a lot of sequels are different. Than, than, than their predecessors because I think sequel-itis, as we said on the Game of the Year podcast, is a problem. But it was very, very, very prominent right. during that time period. It's kind of like you were cranking out games every other year. And now this is four years apart, but you were cranking out games like every two years and they were all very similar. I think the reason this game got a free pass, and this is kind of my final comment on this game, the first game didn't feel like a full video game. Mm-hmm. It's this quick two to three hour experience that's so unique. And it's like they just kind of had an idea of this this test lab person and put them in different puzzles and having a portal gun. This game feels like what the first game, not should have been, because I think the first game's a, a brilliant idea, a great masterpiece, but they tried to make a full video game out of it. And it's yeah. almost not a sequel. It's almost like the first game is a 0.5 and this is 1.0. Yeah. And yeah. it's then it's not really doing more... Yeah, that's just my my viewpoint on it. I get I get it. I get it. It does feel like you could probably put both of these games together into one game. Yeah. And it's so weird how looking back and analyzing things at the time I can understand why you would be caught up in the whole zeitgeist of it all, right? It's it's just like this whole weird cultural thing that's going on with Portal and Valve and and their style. But nowadays you look at it and you're like, yeah, they really they really didn't do much new. And I still think this is the game is really good. And sometimes that's enough. Right. Yeah. I actually wonder 
if we did eventually ever get a Half-Life 3 or a Portal 3, would people just be disappointed because it's been so many years now and we expect more from our games? Would, would they be able to do enough new to make it special? Well, I agree. And that's the thing too, if we look at it, right? We, you and I both kind of had the same feeling about Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. having, having played Spider-Man and then having played Spider-Man Miles Morales, we come into Spider-Man 2 and we're kind of both like, all right, but this game really feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Wake had to reinvent itself. Yes. Tears of the Kingdom. Anyone who yeah. says it's the same, they don't know. That game is completely different. And yeah. I think that's where sequels are great is when they have to do something really well, special and different. I think the whole sequelization of things, the Ubisoft kind of mentality, I think. Yeah. I think. And if you look at the Game Awards, the Game Awards were rewarding games that did new and different things. And people don't want a, a yearly Gears of War, Assassin's no, Creed. We they need don't something want it. different. They don't want it. Like, I, my most obviously our most anticipated game of the year is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. That game looks totally different than it Remake. Does. It looks totally different than You're riding chocobos, the open world. Yeah. There's, there's so many things that that look and feel different about it, and new characters as well. I think you're gonna be able to put those two. It's almost like it's a if if this if this originally Final Fantasy VII remake was just Final Fantasy VII, it's like this is eight. This is the yeah. true sequel yeah. to the game. Yeah, you yeah. Know? it feels like it. It feels like they're they're like, well, we can't just give you the same game again because that would be boring. And now that you have the open world to work in, how is that world going to work? And yeah. Square has done some good stuff with open world. I know people don't love Final Fantasy 15, but I think their open world stuff is actually pretty compelling, even mm -hmm. though it's kind of sparse and, and empty, but most open world stuff is that way. Final Fantasy 16 does a really good job with side quests and things like that as well, where you're kind of popping all over the world and and doing that stuff. So I think that they're going to take the best from all that and put that in the Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. But yeah, it's something where we're in a world now where we don't want our sequels to be the same. I, I agree. I and agree 100%. We want new stuff every time a sequel comes around. Yep, we're, we're greedy. We don't <laughs> We are greedy. No, we are greedy and we're we're demanding, but that's not take, that's not saying that Portal's not a great game. Portal 2 is not a great game. It's I think fantastic. that Portal I think that Portal is really good. Portal 2 is really good and I think that it's a, a very special game yeah. and performances alone are a huge deal. This is a time where this game came out in 2011 where vocal performances in video games were less than mediocre at best and nothing about those voice actors it's just like you got actual really really good talent here now now we're in a in a in an age where too many famous celebrities are being tied to voice projects and we need to help voice actors more and get them better better gigs but at that point in time it's like nothing no video game talent was like this no, and that's why it's nice to praise that this game did it really, really well. Yes. So that is the game of the week for myself and Mike. It is going to join the ranks of our Hall of Fame. And I want to ask you, Mike, because it's been a while. Are you playing anything fun over the holidays or the last few weeks? Yeah, I have been, actually. I've finally got back to playing a lot more of Final Fantasy 16, And I have not been able to put the game down which I'm really excited about. I'm really happy about this. I had a couple of people that I follow on social media just talking about how much they enjoyed it. Like they found Final Fantasy 16 later in the year and they were having such a good time with it. And I was like, I liked it for a long time while I was playing it, but obviously you get sidetracked. And then I jumped back into it. I was doing all the side quests. I was doing all the, the special rare hunts. I've, I really started to really enjoy 
I mean, I enjoyed it at the beginning, but I, I really love this game. And it's a game that is very different than what Final Fantasy is about. And I, I, I appreciate that. I think I want to live in a world where Final Fantasy games, inst- installment to installment, take chances and do things that are differently. And sometimes it won't pan out and sometimes it will. And I think that they're actually been on a pretty good run. I know a lot of people, it's a very divisive series, game to game, installment to installment, but I really don't think there are many bad Final Fantasy games. And 16, I think, is actually really good. You just have to understand that your expectations need to change. And this game is 100% an action game. It's very light on the RPG stuff, but I've actually really enjoyed it. And I enjoy the characters and I enjoy the music and I enjoy the the visuals and all that. It's funny, Mike, that... You say that Final Fantasy 1 through 9, even 1 through 10, are vastly similar. I mean, besides switching to different graphic styles for the PS1 games, they're very similar. Adding job systems and that, but the core games feel very similar. You're right. From But when you get after that, when you get from like 12 on, the games are vastly different. Yeah. 12, 13, then you, if we're not counting MMOs, 15, 16, these are completely different games as far as how they play, how they control. They are very remaking there too. Yeah, they are very, very different. And I respect that fully. And I think it's them trying to stay modern, which I think is important, especially for a company that still has Dragon Quest that's very traditional, or games like Octopath Traveler that are very traditional, Bravely Default that are very, very traditional. It's nice that Final Fantasy has kind of made a choice to be like, we're going to be modern. Now, that means Final Fantasy 17 might be another turn based game. Sure. They could always go back because. They or change it game to game. Maybe they'll go the Capcom route like they've done with Remake of Seven. Maybe they'll start remaking more of the favorites. Yeah. I know there's a rumor of Nine for a while. Yeah, so I would nine love might to see be if remade. they re-envision some of these games. But I'm happy that you're playing through 16 and you're kind of finding the love of it. Yeah, no, it's been really fun. And I think it's a really special game. I've been revisiting Crisis Core a little bit too when I'm in a more portable space, which is really good. It's obviously a fantastic game. And oddly enough, I bought it for like 20 bucks because I've never played this game before. And I'm secretly a sports fan. I don't know if people know this. I'm secretly a a New York sports fan. Matt actually saw a little bit to his surprise when we talked about NBA Jam a few few months back that I actually, I'm not going to brag here and say, I know my stuff, but it was actually a really fun conversation to talk about 90s basketball. I picked up MLB The Show 23, and that game's a lot of fun. I've been playing Road to the Show and I'm in the Mets organization. My, My player is a, he is a second baseman. Uh, for the Mets right now, or not the Mets, he's f- for the 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 Binghamton Rumble Ponies, <laughs> who are the Mets Double A team. But it's been a lot of fun, kind of just hopping in and playing a few games. It does it is very RPG ish, where you're kind of just playing the moments where your player does something, whether he makes a play, they make a play in the field, or he has his at bat, or he's running the bases. So as someone who's a baseball fan, who never really wanted to sink playing an entire baseball season on a baseball video game. I had a lot of fun. I think the last baseball video game I really dedicated myself to was Ken Griffey Jr.'s Slugfest on the N64. I could have an entire podcast on not only just sports, but baseball video games. We could totally do that. But you're right. MLB The Show, have you played it on the Switch or on PS5? Oh, I'm not wasting my time on the Switch on that one, dude. It's actually... Not a bad port, but yes, it's much, much, much better. On st- they they made it for the Sony games for years P- now. On P- the Sony PS5. 
That's PS5, dude. PS5. Yeah, but no, it's been a lot of fun. I would love to sit here and talk about baseball video games. Oh, I, I, without a doubt. There's it's, a lot of really good franchises and series that unfortunately due to now exclusivity deals, which I think have hurt all sports video games and, yep. and every... Well, uh, they don't get better. No, there's no competition. So no. they update a roster. They make one or two mechanic gameplay t- tweaks, but the games don't change that much. I can actually argue that Madden, NBA 2K, and the show were all better before they were exclusive. Oh, I bet you. I bet you they were. And the reason why Madden went exclusive, because I was working at GameStop at the time this happened, is because NFL 2K5 was so good. Oh, yeah. They were NFL good. Yeah. If NFL 2K5 didn't like eat Madden 2005's lunch. And they charged 20 bucks for the first few years of that game just to try and get market share. It was brilliant. And I'll tell you right now, NFL 2K, launch title on the Dreamcast, fantastic football game. Good video game. Really yeah. good football game. Presentation, gameplay, really good. World Series Baseball 2K, Yes, really good. not a bad game. Not they had bad. a 2K series. The only one, unfortunately, that's still with us is the NBA ones, and that one's gotten stale. I'm a big basketball guy. Ever since they started getting into the my player stuff, and you got to put money in, and you get the bucks, the in-game bucks. Yeah. The game's taking a huge hit. It feels very, the way they market and, and advertise at you just feels very predatory. Yeah, and, of course. And the game itself doesn't feel fluid and fun. It's it, it. I know they're going realer and realer, but I'm a basketball guy. It doesn't feel fun, and that's what I've lost. Yeah, that's that's a shame, but the Knicks are good, so I'll take that. The Knicks are good. <laughs> so, Mike, that's cool that you're playing the show. It's fun that you're playing a sports game. We don't talk enough sports games on this pod. Now, the most we ever get into sports games here is maybe the occasional wrestling game, which those have also been kind of stale for a long time, even yeah. though I want to play the AEW game. I, I actually played it, but not much at my buddy's house, and I want to actually play it more. It's not bad. Um, I had to turn it it off because uh, my my kids were present and it was very graphic. I didn't realize how intense AEW wrestling video games got. Like violence? I mean, there was there was a lot of okay. Yeah, it was a little more violent than than I'm prepared to. Does (laughs) does it does it play like the like the the closest thing I felt to the N64 wrestling game? So I'll give it that. All right, maybe I'll have to buy this game. It's on sale pretty often, so I've been eyeballing it too. Yeah. So what are so, you playing? So I've been playing the DLC for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. Uh, uh, you know what? The, it's, it's a shame because the game itself is so good. I know. And if they can just get past the, the, the game itself running like complete garbage and looking just very like blah aesthetically. And every once in a while, you'll see like a character model or a Pokemon itself that looks really good. And you're like, yeah. Well, why does that look good, but nothing else does? They they spent all their time making the monsters look good. Yeah, and the that's what they did. Look good, and everything else present present presentation wise is pretty bad. But it's a shame because underneath it all, this game is really good. And if yeah. you get the presentation, this game would have been like a game of the year contender. Yep, it's probably oh. one of the best Pokemon games I've played in in years and generations. Yeah, it's such it's such a dichotomy because it looks like garbage, but it plays really well. Yeah, and I will say this much too: I think with the DLC, you get access to like all the starters, right? That's then the second DLC, which just went live a few weeks ago. You can now access all thirty original starters, all the legendaries. It's all in there. It's really cool. There's this tournament mode that you can do after you beat all the bosses, bosses, the gym leaders. A second time, you can go back and actually do a tournament mode, which is really cool. There's a really good video game underneath it all, and I'm probably going to beat it the next couple hours. And on the side, in between sessions of Pokemon, I've been playing the Switch version 
of Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh, nice. I beat it in a weekend. And for anyone out there that was worried, it plays great. It plays Good. probably as well as it did on the 360 back in the day. Uh, even better portably. It looks beautiful on, 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 the, on the, when you're undocked. And then I've been playing from about halfway through City, which is just fun playing them back to back because uh, it's such a shift in gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love City for what it is. I love Asylum for being this tighter Metroidvania. But then I do enjoy like spreading my wings, flying around the city. It's just a completely different look and feel together. And it's bigger and badder. And I love the whole opening sequence as Bruce Wayne and you fight the penguin. It's so cool before you get the suit. I love all that. How does City play on Switch? Fantastic. It's it's oh, like good. playing the Wii U version good. Um, back in the day. If you want to play Asylum and City and you see this game on sale for $30, $40, it's two of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, that's not hyperbole. Really that's not hyperbole at all. But I'm not going to play Arkham Knight. I do not plan on even launching it just to see what the game looks like. I don't care. Nah, your Switch might explode. I'm worried it might blow up. I think not to not to go back to Pokemon here because I, 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 I'm fascinated by how weird Scarlet and Violet look. Uh-huh. I really think they need to contact Monolith Soth. I think they just be like, hey, if you look at Monolith, Monolith Soth's pedigree, all they do are giant open worlds. The Wii version of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 looks better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet. <laughs> but like they did Xenoblade Chronicles, obviously, like that's their series, right? Yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 1, 2, 3, and X, which X is clearly rumored to get a remake, probably for the launch of the Switch 2 or whatever they're calling it. But like they also work on like, both of the newer Zelda games, they were integral yeah. in that. Probably developing the open world. They worked on. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank as like what other open world. Yeah, stuff they, they did other on. textures and assets on another game too. But it's a shame, Incredible. like you said, because I don't know if you call it Arceus or Arceus, however people pronounce yeah, it. Ar Arceus, yeah. That game, the core of the game, as far as aesthetics, details, textures, really good. It's fine. I mean, it's not It's not going to compare to some of the best-looking games on the Switch, but I didn't complain when I played it. I never felt like it took a step back. Yeah, I really like that game, too. I think that was a really fresh take on Pokemon. But, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. And you have Monolith there. <laughs> just, like, have them do it. Like, just look up, look up all the games they worked on. It's insane. They're in, they're, I, just, I don't think we understand the relationship between Nintendo and Pokemon, and I think the Pokemon company does a lot of stuff that's the problem. Nintendo's help. I don't think there's as much Nintendo help as we think. No, I think Nintendo collects a third of the paychecks and that's about it. I think so too. They help each other as far as marketing and advertising. Yep. They help each other make a lot of money. Yep. But I don't think they're actually actively involved in the video game making. And I don't know anything. No, I don't think so. And 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 it shows because Nintendo wouldn't let that game out. No. No, no, no. Game Freak and the Pokemon Game Freak is a developer. I think next, Mike, we're gonna get a remake. The rumor is either gold and silver or black and white, one of those. I would love to that because I really enjoyed going back to Brilliant Pearl and all those. That, that yeah, yeah. Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Thank whatever. you. Yep. Those are good. And I think that would give time for whatever the next Pokemon game is, whether it's a remaster of, of, of Scarlet and Violet or if it's the next core game, they, they need some time. Yeah, they definitely need to take their time with it. I think they have to give it multiple years, like three or four years before they do something like that. I would love to see Pokemon do like a... Like you said, next year with the launch of the Switch 2, probably do a black and white remake or a gold and silver let's yeah. go type of thing. See that you could do it like this. You could do like let's go Eevee, let's let's go, I'm sorry, let's go Pichu, let's go Meryl. That was kind of like the fan favorite of what, that would be what they wanted for gold and silver. You could do that next year. 
And then in 2025, you could do a remake of Black and White. Or yeah, you could do a remake of Black and, those and White. Those games would sell 25 million oh, copies. Definitely. Like. 25 or 30. And then, and then in 2026, or if you want to delay it even further and give your team four years. Make RCS2 in between That's there. what I was saying. Make another Pokemon Legends game yeah. that takes place maybe in the Kanto region before it's the Kanto region. And then in like 2027, you can come out with the next new gen. Of I'm Pokemon. pretty sure the Pokemon franchise is the best-selling franchise on the Switch. If you look at the four or five titles yeah. they've released, they're yeah. all between 20 and 30 million copies. I mean, they're they're not doing po- they, they, their business model works. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, and that's the problem is that they're they're not seeing a decrease in sales due to the low quality of the game. So there's no incentive for them to actually make the game look that much better. Yep. But that's that's my Pokemon rant. It's a great game underneath it all. But yes, Mike, thank you as always for joining me on our 149th episode of the podcast. Ooh! Next time, for those doing math at home, is the big one five zero. So it's a big one. We have some cool stuff planned, Mike. Where can people out there if they're just on the first time joining us in this episode? They wanted to track you down and see what you're up to. What are you up to? Sure, you can find me here on the Hall of Fame Video Game Podcast on pretty much every episode. You can also find me with my band, Bad Mary. You can search us out at badmary.com or at badmary on all social media. You can find me with my other podcast, the Batman Tastic Cast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. And last but not least, you can find me with Long Island Retro Gaming. You can search it out, LI Retro, Long Island Retro Gaming, our expo dates were just announced, and that's going to be. I think they were just announced like right around right around like Christmas or right after Christmas I think they were announced which which is really cool. Uh, I believe the dates for that are August 9th through the 11th of 2024. So that's at the Cradle of Aviation here on Long Island if you're not from Long Island. I highly suggest you take a trip uh, to go to that expo or you could be like Matt and just show up on a Friday night or a Saturday and just enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's a great time. It's something I look forward to, and it somehow gets better and better each year. Yeah, it's a good time. So, guys, please check out all that Mike is involved with. Please check out our back catalog. Leave us a review. New year, new review. Please do it. It helps us out so much. And that is all for us this week. Enjoy those video games. Enjoy your new year, 2024, and we'll see you guys all next time. See ya. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.